0: You're listening to the Deeper Christian Bible Study Series in the book of Ephesians. Thank you for joining me, Nathan Johnson, on an in-depth, verse-by-verse study of this incredible book by Paul. Now, let's dive into the lesson for today. Ephesians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles. And uh, today we're actually uh, getting into the content of the prayer itself, uh, which is exciting. I know you're wondering when we'd actually get into the prayer. Uh, We were kind of doing all the uh, stuff leading up to it. Uh, But again, I want to read the entire uh, section, which is verse 14, down to the end of the chapter, uh, just so it's fresh in our minds this morning. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 3, starting in uh, verse 14. Paul writes this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth the length the height and the depth and to know the love of christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of god Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Again, we've been walking through these first couple of verses, and uh, last time we began uh, to get into verse 16, and we were looking at the according to the riches of his glory, And again, this whole prayer is flowing out of this reality uh, of according to the riches of his glory. And uh, it's interesting that what he mentions in the first thing in verse 16, uh, you could argue that this becomes the foundation for the rest of the prayer, uh, that everything else that he's going to be praying in verses 17 uh, onward flows out of the reality of verse 16. And again, let me just read verse 16. Uh, He says, that he would grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Paul says, oh, do you know what I'm longing for? Do you know what even all the rest of the stuff I'm I'm about to pray is going to flow from? I am praying that God would give you strength with power through his spirit in the inner being of who you are. Uh, what I'd like to do, if, if, it's, if it's okay with you, if it's not okay with you, I'm still going to do it, I guess, but uh, what I'd like to do this morning is just, I want to walk through a few of the key words in this passage and kind of unpack a few of the key words, because <clears throat> unless you understand what is happening in the words uh, and, and the, in the passage of the context in light of this whole thing, uh, I think you're going to miss the significance of what Paul is doing in this particular verse as he sets up this foundation for the rest of the prayer. Does that make any sense? Uh, so I just want to walk through a few of these keywords, And uh, as we walk through that, you'll see how they're they are they're all starting to fit together. And uh, hopefully by the end, it'll make some sense. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so at the very beginning of verse 16, again, this is all according to the riches of his glory. But Paul says, I pray that God would give you or grant you. Uh, that word to give, it's, it's interesting. It has this idea of to bestow. Uh, has this idea of to cause to be. Uh, and this one really excited me. It is to give rise or cause a new state in something. So it's it's more than just, hey, I've got a five dollar bill, I'm going to give you a five dollar bill. This is an illustration. Don't expect this. But you know, I hey, I'm gonna give you a five dollar bill. Yeah, that that there's that idea in the passage because there's this giving, there's this bestowing idea. But it really has this undercurrent that there's this new reality that's going to come about because of the giving. Uh, so maybe the $5 illustration is not a good one. I'm going to give you a check for a million dollars. This is still an illustration. Because <laughs> <laughs> as we learned last time, I don't have it. So I'm going to give you a check for a million dollars. You realize that if I gave you a million dollars, there would be a new state. In your life and you would suddenly live on a whole nother level hypothetically does that make sense there's it's that idea happening in the passage Paul says I am praying that God's gonna bestow something upon you I'm praying that God would give you something but in the midst of the giving it's gonna cause a new state to take place in my life something is gonna give rise in my soul and it's gonna really shift my life well what is he gonna give us That's the whole passage that we're looking at. Paul says at the end of verse 16 that you would be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner being. Uh, The word strengthened there, uh, it can be translated powered. So you're powered with power. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) All right, I thought that was awesome. Uh, And there are two different words for power. Uh, The word strengthened is uh, it is the Greek word, uh, see if I can say this, kratio, kratio, and uh, it's interesting that the word, the root word of that is kratos, which is this idea of authority, sovereignty, dominion, government, uh, power, strength, it's that idea. So that's the root word, and so when, when you get into our word, this uh, kratio, uh, it has this idea of to be strengthened, it has this idea of to be empowered, it has this idea of to it's that idea, that there's this strength, this force oomph, coming upon you. Uh, it's interesting that when you, when you go into the Old Testament <clears throat> and you look up this word, uh, this word shows up 59 times in the Old Testament. And this word is often translated prevail. It's translated courage, strength, hold fast, power. And again, I, I find it interesting that the, the root word, of our word, is this idea of the sovereignty, dominion, authority, government power idea. In other words, it's a, it's a positional thing. That why do I have authority? Well, it's because I have a kingdom. I'm the king. I, I have this position. I have this authority. I have this sovereignty. I have this. And I don't know what you want to do with that. And I'm still wrestling with it because I, I find it interesting that you are being strengthened. You are, you are being given a position of strength by his power. Uh, This word in the New Testament only shows up four times, and and when you look at those four times, every single one of those four times, this word shows up in the passive, in the passive voice, and that may mean nothing to you, but it's significant, and let me me explain that. Uh, A lot of words are in the active voice, and the active voice means that the subject is responsible for the action. And the classic example is the boy hit the ball. So here's the boy. He does the, he hits the ball, right? He's doing the action. The passive voice means that the subject is the one receiving the action. Does that make any sense? Uh, For example, the boy caught the ball. He received the action. Or maybe even better stated, the boy was hit by the ball. Right? That he received the action of, of... of, of the ball. That's the passive voice. So you're not active in it. You're receiving something. So think about what the passage is saying. <clears throat> when this word shows up, the four times this word shows up in the New Testament, it's not that I'm going to be strengthened. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go down to that gym, and I'm going to be bench pressing. Why? Because I need to be strengthened. That's not this word. This idea is that somehow this overwhelming strength comes upon me, and I receive strength. I don't enact strength, I don't produce the strength, I receive the strength. Isn't that phenomenal? That's encouraging for a few of us. Because no matter how much we go to the gym, it never shows. So hey, this is not about you and gritting your teeth and doing bench presses and push-ups. This is not about that kind of strength. This is about, hey, would you receive the overwhelming strength of the Lord in your life? And by the way, if you want to see where the other three times this word shows up, uh, one time <clears throat> this word is uh, used in correlation to John the Baptist as a child, and it says that he, was, he became strong, our word, in the Spirit, Luke 180. So here is John, and right before he goes off into the desert, as he's grown up as a kid, he is receiving strength in the Spirit. And then he goes off and does his, his preaching. Uh, The other time this word is used is in relationship to Jesus being a child. And it says in Luke 2.40 that the child, Jesus, continued to grow and became strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So as Jesus was growing up as a little kid, what was happening? He was receiving strength. Not so much the strength, but he was receiving this overwhelming strength of the Lord in his life. The fourth time, because it's in our passage as well, the other time this word is used is, I love this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. And with the guys this weekend, we looked at this verse. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. This is what it says. I love this. Paul is wrapping up his letter to the the Corinthians and he says, be on guard, be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith, be immovable in faith. Isn't that a great declaration to the soul? Don't move in your faith. And then he says, act like men. By the way, he's writing to the church. So ladies, this includes you. Right, which, which, which is actually going back to the Old Testament idea of be strong and courageous. In other words, buck up, do the manly, do the hard things. Be a man. And ladies, it's okay because the men are called brides of, we're the bride of Christ. So, you know, we're, we're part of that awkwardness. And you're like, oh, that's so precious. And then Paul looks at the bride of Christ and says, be a man. So, we all get to have awkwardness in this. <clears throat> so, so, listen to what Paul's saying. He says, be on the alert, be on guard stand firm or be immovable in the faith, act like men, and then he finishes it by be strong. That's our word. And then he concludes in verse 14, let everything you do be done in love. Oh, so I'm to act like, act like a man and be strong. Yeah, but not like you're thinking. This is not, I'm gonna act like a man. Oh, I'm gonna be strong. Th- that's not in the passage. The emphasis of the passage is, is, hey, yes, I'm to do the manly thing, and yes, I, I'm, hey, I'm to be the first sufferer, and all, all, that, all that's contained in that, but I'm to be strong. How am I going to be strong? I'm going to have to receive his strength. That this is not about you and your ability and, and your muscles and, and you gritting your teeth and how many push-ups you can do. This is all about would you be willing to receive his overwhelming strength in your life? that's the emphasis of the passage and it's interesting every one of those four times it shows up in the new testament it's not about self production this is not about self effort this is not about self accomplishment this is not about this is not about you this is about would you be open to receive <clears throat> the overwhelming power or strength of the lord in your life and again it, the root word has this idea it's a positional thing it's a positional strength Wouldn't it be neat if the God of the universe wanted to have a position in your life of strength? That my position is in him and he's in me. And what if the overwhelming reality of God in your life was that he was coming in and he wanted to strengthen you, that he was your strength? Now, Paul says in Ephesians 3.16 that I pray that God would give you or, these, or he's going to grant you to be strengthened with power. So you're going to be powered with power, right? The word power in our passage is the Greek word dunamis. Oh, it's a great word. This word shows up all over the place. Uh, in fact, in the New Testament, it shows up 119 times. In the Old Testament, get this, it shows up 563 times in the Old Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, by the way, this word can be translated power, obviously. Uh, this word can be translated might, strength, mighty deeds, miracles. Uh, it's an ability. It, that's how it's often translated. In the Old Testament, though, uh, the word is often translated armies. Isn't that a weird thought? That the army of a kingdom is its strength, it's its power. Uh, So, you get this great illustration in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 24, where David does the thing he wasn't supposed to do. He numbers his dunamis, he numbers his armies. And that's the word. He, He went out and numbered his dunamis. He wanted to see what his strength was like. How big is my power? And then the Lord confronts him and he goes, I just sinned because I should have been putting all of my focus on the dunamis of God, not on my dunamis of my army. Does that make any sense to you? In fact, you even see that because in two chapters earlier in 2 Samuel 22, David is talking about this overwhelming reality of God and he says, God, you are my dunamis. You are my strength. And then two chapters later, he says, that's true, but I want to go count my own dunamis and I'm going to see what my dunamis of the kingdom's like. So in the Old Testament, it's often translated like valiant, army. Uh, sometimes that the Lord of dunamis, the Lord of hosts, is, is how it can be translated. It's translated a few different times uh, or in different ways that way, but it's the, the Lord of hosts uh, it has this idea. It's a mighty host of soldiers. It's the power of a nation. It's the strength of a kingdom. That, that's how it's understood in the Old Testament. So could you imagine, you you come into the New Testament then, and again, that's the Greek translation of the Old Testament. You come into the New Testament, and you start hearing about this God who has overwhelming dunamis in the Old Testament. Here's the God of angel dunamis, of angel armies. Here's this God of overwhelming power. Here's the God who is our strength. He is our refuge in time of need. He is our shield. He's our dunamis. And you start to recognize, wow, God has overwhelming dunamis. I know. By the way, dunamis is where we get the English word dynamite. Uh, dunamis is where we get the word dynamic. It's this expressive reality of strength. In other words, uh, it's not the ability that's contained in that, but this is the expression of, of a power. Does that make any sense? Uh, for example, uh, you probably you didn't know this, but Jake, I learned yesterday, Jake has the ability, oh, the bench press 500 pounds. May not look like it, but he has the ability. But with the moment he goes over to the bench press and grabs the bar and just, right, with 500 pounds, that's the dunamis. It is the expression, it's the outflow, it is the what you see, of the ability. Does that make sense? And God has overwhelming dunamis. And so here's Jesus who's now going through the land. He's God in the flesh. And the God of dunamis of the Old Testament has now come to live in a person, right? In in human flesh. And what do you see coming out of Jesus? The gospel writer said, we see dunamis. And it's often translated miracles. So here's Jesus and he's doing all these miracles, wonders and signs. What is it? Dunamis. It's an expression thing. Uh, Let me give you some of the verses. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. And Jesus looks at his disciples and listen to what he says. He says, Behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. Well, what was the promise of the Father? Holy Spirit. It's the Pentecost thing, Acts chapter 2. So Jesus says, Hey, I'm going to send forth the promise of the Father. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with dunamis from on high, until you're clothed with power. What is he talking about? The Holy Spirit. So is interesting that the Holy Spirit and this idea of power are often associated and related. Uh, you get into Acts chapter one verse eight. Hmm. In Acts chapter one verse eight, Paul uses the word dunamis. He's about to ascend. And so, of course, Luke is recapping this whole thing, and Jesus looks at his disciples and says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stay in the city. And he says this, verse 8, but you shall receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. So when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, What happens in your life? Dunamis. Are you getting this? Uh, Acts chapter two, verse 22. Pentecost has now happened. God has moved. The Holy Spirit has fallen. Man, God is just doing all these incredible things. And everyone looking at the disciples are going, whoa, what just took place? And Peter stands up and gives this phenomenal sermon. And Peter in verse 22 says this in Acts chapter two. He says, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with dunamis, miracles, wonders, and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. So he says, you know what's taking place in our lives? Jesus. And the same thing happening in the life of Jesus, where he was filled with dunamis, that's what's happened in our lives with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? Uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 12. Uh, Peter and John are walking into, the, walking into the temple, and here's this lame beggar. And the lame beggar says, hey, could you, could you give me some money? And of course, they pull the preacher trick, saying, well, sorry, we don't have any money. You know, silver and gold I do not have. <laughs> Which is true. Uh, but they, hey, what I do have, I'll give you. And it says in chapter 3, verse 12. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Why are you amazed at this guy got up? Why, why, are you, why, why does this impress you? He says, or why do you gaze at us as if by our own dunamis or holiness we made him walk? Peter says, this was not us. This was not our power. This was not our ability. This wasn't our talent. This was not our gifting. What was this? This is the overwhelming dunamis of the Lord who caused him to come up. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And with great dunamis, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. Oh, so how were they giving great testimony to the resurrection of Jesus? Were they talented orators? No, they were fishermen. And you know how fishermen speak. They have a southern drawl. They, they listen to country western music. I mean, you know, you know these disciples. Of course, they're actually from up north, so <laughs> you know northerners. Uh, you know, I mean, here, here, here's these disciples, and well, was there any talent? Was there any ability? No, they were. In fact, the high priest looked at the disciples, and they said, how is this happening? Because they are ignorant. They are comic book level kind of guys. They are not that bright. They are not talented. So how on earth is this taking place? Dunamis. Uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 8. By the way, we're not going to go through all 119 of these. So just don't worry. It's got a couple more. Uh, Acts chapter uh, 6, verse 8. Stephen, it says, was full of grace and dunamis and was performing great wonders and signs among the people. So here's Stephen. One, hey, one of these guys who was just full of dunamis. Uh, Paul, in Acts chapter 19, verse 11, it says that God was performing extraordinary dunamis by the hands of Paul. That here was Paul, and as he's walking down the road, God is doing all these incredible miracles through Paul. What was that? Dunamis. Isn't that incredible? Think about this. Paul says that God is going to strengthen you by his dunamis. What would that mean in your life? Uh, it's interesting Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy. It's the last thing that Paul wrote. He's talking about the last days. He's talking about, hey, when, hey when the end is coming, these final days, things are going to be noticeable. And listen to what Paul says, Second Timothy three verse one through 5. He says, realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. He's not talking about COVID, okay? But difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self. Listen to how similar this is to our day. Lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unloving, unholy, unreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Well, that sounds like our culture. Oh, he goes on and he says, having a form of godliness, yet denying its dunamis, avoid such men as these. He says, do you realize that in these final days, there are going to be all these people who are wrapped up in the flesh stuff. But there's also going to be people who have a form of godliness, that there is a form of religion, that they have all the motions and all the language and all the, we have all the systems. Hey, we attend church and we we do, we do we know when to stand up and when to sit down. We, we know the performance. We know what to do. And we have all this godly living and legalism and all this stuff of activity in the church. But there is, no power. There's no dunamis. It's not full of the Spirit. The Spirit's not there. It's just this outward shell of religion. Paul says, avoid it. So if you flip it, what does it tell you? You need dunamis. Hey, if you're going to function in this world, how are you going to function as a Christian? You better be functioning in dunamis. And this is not by your might. This is not by your power. This is not by your ability. This is not by your talent. This is by him and his overwhelming strength empowered by his spirit. In fact, that's really clear in our passage because look at this. That you would be strengthened with power through his spirit. So you cannot say, well, all right, I'm going I'm to increase in my power. Um, hey, I'm going to work out. I'm, hey, this is going to be my, all about me. You can't say that. That if you are a Christian, the only way, the only, are you getting this? The only way you can function as a Christian is by his spirit. Why? Well, because the standard of Christianity is overwhelmingly impossible. You can't do this. I mean, if the Old Testament proves something, it's that no one could live up to the standards of God. Not a single person could live the old and folks, the old was a lot easier to live than the new. You've heard it said, do not murder. Okay, I'll grip my teeth and not do that one. But I'll think about it all the time. And I'm going to take a picture of your face and put it on the back of my door and throw darts at it. <laughs> now, I'm not going to really kill you, but I'm going to think about it. Jesus comes and says, you know what, do you know what the rule of the kingdom is? You can't even do that anymore. Hey, you can't even hate because hate is murder. Which one's easier to pull off? Uh, you've heard it said, stuff like, do not commit adultery. And you're like, fine. I'll just think about it. Jesus, you can't even lust anymore. Which of those two is harder? And if the Old Testament proves something, it's that the old, hey, you've heard it said stuff, no one could live this out fully. And if you couldn't live out the old, how on earth are you going to live out the new one? Because this thing has gone to a whole nother level. This is impossible. So how are you going to make it? You need him. And you need his overwhelming strength and power in your life to live out the reality of what he's called you to do. I feel like I keep bringing up this verse in every single Daily Thunder. It is one of my favorites, so maybe that's a good reason. But when you look at 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter sorry second peter chapter 1 verse 3 that'd be a different passage but second peter chapter 1 verse 3 listen to this seeing that his divine dunamis has given you everything pertaining to life and godliness everything you need is found in jesus everything you need for life and godliness is found where in his dunamis so if you are going to live as a Christian in this generation, amidst all the, the muck and the mire, hey, if you're going to live the, the standard of Christianity in your world, hey, if you're going to make it as a Christian, if you're going to live in freedom and triumph and victory and purity and, and hope, and how are you going to do it? You can't. Out of your own strength. You can't out of your own ability. You can't out of your own wisdom. You can't. But he can And he wants to take his overwhelming spirit and plunge it so deep inside of your life that his overwhelming strength enables you, empowers you to live the life you were called to live. Do you know what we call people who live like this? Yeah, we call them Christians. Don't you want to be one? Because Christians is not people who go to church. Christians are not ones who have a creed and go, yep, 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 yep. Christians are one who are filled with the very Spirit of God and who are living by his Spirit. That I am in Christ and Christ is in me. That's Christianity, folks. And how are you going to make it as a believer? You've got to have him. And so Paul says, do you know what God is doing in you? He is just giving. He's strengthening you by his own dunamis through the Spirit. If that's true, wouldn't you just say, Jesus, have it all. Jesus, just take my life and let it be. Just do whatever you want with this. Uh, Paul got so excited about this idea of dunamis. Uh, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that uh, because of the surpassing greatness of revelations, because of all that God was doing in his life, he said, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, he says, I implored, implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. So here's Paul, and he has this, whatever this thorn in the flesh is, and of course there's speculation what it might be. But there's this sword in the flesh, and he's crying out, God, could you, could you remove this weakness from my life? And Jesus, listen to what Jesus says to him. My grace is sufficient for you. For dunamis is perfected in weakness. Jesus says, look, Paul, this is a good thing. My grace is sufficient for you. Because it is in your weakness that my dunamis becomes perfected. That, that in your weakness, my dunamis is seen. It is in your weakness that you experience the overwhelming measure of my dunamis. That my spirit and my grace is, just, is, a, is sufficient for you. So here's Paul's conclusion. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the dunamis of Christ may dwell in me therefore i am content with weaknesses and i am content with insults and i am content with distresses and i am content with persecutions and i am content with difficulties for christ's sake for when i am weak then i am dunamis and it's just it's the adjective verb version of dunamis so i am dunamist So when I am weak, when I'm going through trials, when I'm going through difficulties, hey, when I'm at rock bottom, hey, when I don't have any ability, woo! that's a good thing. Why? Because the dunamis of the Lord is seen. So all those struggles that you keep trying to get out of, all all that pressure, you keep saying, Lord, how much longer do I have to endure this? Hey, you know those family problems? You know that roommate you have? You you realize all those financial struggles? You you know whatever it is in your life that you're just trying to get out of as quick as possible? Why do we try to race through, through those? Paul says, shouldn't we just, shouldn't we get excited when we're facing difficulties? Shouldn't we just get excited when we're we're facing weakness? Shouldn't we just get excited when we open up our bank account and we go, oh, nothing's there. Shouldn't, Shouldn't we just get excited in the middle of temptation? Shouldn't we just get excited in the middle of all this stuff? Why? Not because it's easy, but it's because his grace is sufficient in the middle of it. And when I'm in the middle of temptation and I can't handle the temptation... That means I get to rest and lean and rely upon his overwhelming power for victory. And when I begin to walk in victory, I don't get the credit for that. Who gets the credit? Him. Hey, when I'm going through difficulty and pain and weakness, and I go, God, I don't have it within me, so I'm going to lean and trust on you, and I'm going to surrender myself and depend and abide in you, and his overwhelming dunamis is seen, he gets all the credit. He's He's revealed in my life through the very things that I'm trying to get out of. So, wouldn't it be amazing if God is allowing you to, to, to go through whatever it is that you're going through so that you could experience his dunamis on a whole nother level? Gotta hurry. So, Paul is saying that, hey, I desire, I'm praying that you would be strengthened you be powered by power, right? you be, you be strengthened with dunamis through his spirit in your inner man, your inner being. Uh, that idea of inner being, it shows up eight times in the New Testament. And uh, sometimes it's used for being in a room, which is interesting. Uh, one time it's used for someone being within the church. And... There's three times where it's used for this idea of the inside of who you are. Uh, it, it's interesting that the, uh, when we're talking about the inner you, the, the inner being of your life, we're, in one sense, we're talking about you, like the real you. In other words, you do realize you have a body, you are not a body. And some, some of us wish we could trade ours in and upgrade it, but right? You have a body, but I'm not a body. Which is why when this body dies, I don't die. I'm still around. You're stuck with me. Sorry. <laughs> so though this may waste away, and I'm going to get a new one. I'm going to get an upgrade at some point. Right? So, hey, this, this flesh, I'm not this flesh. So my real me has flesh. And they are intricately tied. For example, you punch me. I feel that on the inside. I don't just feel it on my arm. I feel it deep down. And I cry myself to sleep. Okay? Because you're not just hurting me physically. My physical is tied to, to, to me. So they're, they're all tied together. I get that. But I'm not the flesh. I'm not this. I have this. So when we're talking about the inner being of who you are, we're talking about you. The Greeks defined the inner being as three distinct things. It was the reasoning, like the mind. The mind. It was the conscience and it was the will. But it's interesting as you get into the real you biblically, it seems like it's one degree even beyond that. It's, it's, it's your mind. I get that. It's your will. Okay. It's, it's your conscience. Sure. But it's your heart, the, right? The seat of emotions. It's, it is your emotions itself, right? All of that's contained in the you. Think about this. Paul says, I'm praying That you would be strengthened with dunamis by his spirit in the depths of who you are. What would it look like if your mind was strengthened with his power? Like, Like what would it mean if you genuinely had the mind of Christ? What if you had his wisdom and his discernment and his clarity and his knowledge for the situations of your life? Paul in Philippians 2.5 says, have this mind, have this attitude in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, that it's available to us. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. Do you realize that the wisdom of God is available to us? Paul in Ephesians 1.19 or in in that prayer, I think it's verse 16, is saying that, hey, I, I pray that God would give you the wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of Him. Do you recognize that this is available to you? What would it look like if God, through His Spirit inside of your life, would strengthen with His power your mind? That your mind was being governed by the life and the love of of Christ? Could you imagine what that would look like in your conscience? If your conscience... There would be a strengthening of righteousness and, and, and moral reasoning in the very depths of your being. Uh, that Not only would you know what is right and, and, and what is wrong, but, but there would be a greater sensitivity to the Spirit of God, that there would be a greater awareness and apprehension and, and distaste for sin. I mean, could you imagine God coming in and strengthening your conscience so that what, what stirs you and what convicts you isn't just The big things, it's not just murder. It's like, you know that frustration attitude I have? That my conscience is being pricked, that I'm not even to have that in my life. See, there's a strengthening, there's an increase of righteousness and holiness in the the depths of my conscience, in in the moral fiber of my being. See, what would it look like if, if God, in my will, so strengthened my will with his power? See, a lot of us, isn't it interesting, God, what is your will for my life? As if he could give us his will and we're like, okay, I'll go out and do that. How are you going to do that? You need his this. So rather than saying, God, can I know your will for my life? Why don't you just say, Lord, here's my life. Do it according to your will. Or better yet, Lord, here's my will. Let it be all about your life. And flip the whole thing. Lord, whether or not you want to show me your will for my life, I'm giving you my will for your life. Let my whole life, my whole will be about you. Whatever you want to do. Or if you want to take it maybe in a different direction, isn't it interesting how often we know what is right and we want to do what is right, but then we don't do what is right. And the excuse we often give is, well, my will was weak. I desired it that I really didn't. Wouldn't it be amazing if God could increase your will? That, that there was a strengthening to obey. There was a strengthening to, to live as we ought to live. That there was this overwhelming power in your life that was enabling you to walk in righteousness and holiness and truth. There was this movement of grace in your life that you just went, wow, I, I don't just desire it in, in a theoretical sense. I, I want to live this thing. Could could you imagine what it would look like for for God to strengthen you with his power in the depths of your heart? That you begin to love what he loves and hate what he hates? That that the things that that he just, oh, he gets so excited about and the things that just break his heart, like the the lost and the orphan and the widow and the destitute, those things begin to soften and, and break your heart. And the things that God hates, like sin, you had a, incredible distaste for why because he was strengthening you with his power in the depths of your heart could you imagine what that would look like in your emotions i mean could, could you imagine if your emotions were strengthened with his power i love those stories of like hudson taylor and here's hudson taylor on the mission field and stories are told that he would get letters and he had the same exact response he'd open up one letter and it said hey your best friend johnny died and Hudson Taylor said, okay, Lord, I trust you. And in the next letter, he opened up and said, hey, we are donating all this money to the mission of what you're doing. And he says, Lord, thank you, I trust you. And when he got great news, he didn't go, woo! And when he got bad news, he didn't go, ugh. But he was just, he was stable. He had this overwhelming trust in his emotions. I mean, could you imagine what it would look like in this generation to be so strengthened with his power that when his word says, do not fear, you go, okay, I won't fear. That, that my emotions for trust, my emotions of, of focus begin just, it was not based on the whims of, of what is going on around me. It's not based on circumstance. But my emotions was based on the presence of Jesus in my life. I mean, could you imagine what it would look like if the overwhelming power of God came into your life, that your life was marked by his life and his love? It was really interesting. I was finishing up studying this morning and trying to put all the, you know, finish putting all this together. So I was running late, and uh, so I left the house a few minutes late. And they're doing this huge road construction project on one of the main roads, which I have to drive on. And all the cars were backed up like crazy, and so I'm waiting, and waiting, just to get on the road, and waiting because they kept getting backed up. And finally, someone lets me in. I'm like, "Woo, praise the Lord!" And then I wait. And then I t- finally saw this little opening, so I turned onto the road that I normally turn on, and I forgot, oh, I'm running late, which means the parents are dropping the kids off at school, which means I've got to wait. And people were being dumb. I'm like, just move over, and we can move forward. And just, I mean, made sense. I, I had a rational way we could get through this thing quicker, and we could figure this thing out. No. And I was waiting, and I'm, and I'm, I'm starting to like, I'm like, Lord, I'm going to be late for Daily Thunder. I, Lord, I'm going, come on. And I'm like singing because I'm trying to, you know, like, oh, ah, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, oh, my soul. You know I mean? it was just, you know, I, I was trying. And I, and I said, okay, Lord, I should probably ponder, ponder this whole message thing. I said, Lord, and then it dawned on me. I'm like, I'm an idiot. Because here I am. I'm supposed to be talking about being strengthened by his power in the inner parts of I, who I am. And I said, Lord, the inner parts of who I am are ah, right now. I'm just giving you a practical illustration from this morning. And I said, Lord, what would it look like if in these kind of moments the circumstances of my life did not dictate my, my life, if the circumstances around me did not dictate my emotions, if the circumstances around me, my, my bank account, my family, my friends, you, whatever, you know, like that did not influence my response. Why? Because I was being strengthened by his dunamis in the inner part of who I am. And I, I just had to repent. I said, Lord, I, I, would you mark my inner life with love? Would you mark my inner life with joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Would you, would you mark my inner life, my, who I really am, with your character? And I can't, I can't do that. I, I cannot produce the fruits of the Spirit on my own. This is not a grit your teeth and produce it. This is, hey, would you allow the life of Christ himself through the Spirit to come in your life and through his overwhelming power begin to do something, demonstrate something in your life. Don't we all need that? So look at this passage. Paul says, I'm praying that God would strengthen you with his almighty, overwhelming dunamis through His Spirit in the very depths of your being. So if you want a summary, let me give you a summary, summary really quick with five Ps. It's a preacher thing. Number one, it's the power. We're talking about the overwhelming might, power, ability of God in your life. And again, it's interesting that it's often associated with the Holy Spirit. That when we're talking about the power, we're not talking about some force we're talking about some super ability we're not talking about lightning we're talking about his very presence that the power is the person which is the second p cuz all of this the means by which this is happening the one who is causing the strengthening to happen in your life is the person called god it's the holy spirit it's the very spirit of jesus in your life that's bringing this about So if you need power to function in your life, and you do, because you can't do this on your own, well, then how how are you going to have the power? You need the person. Well, what's the place that all this is taking place? It's your inner being. That it's your heart, it's your mind, it's your will, it's your emotions, it's, it's the very depth of who you are. That he is strengthening. He's not strengthening your physical muscles. There's nothing wrong with going to the gym and strengthening your physical muscles. Some of us need to go to the gym more. I get that. But we're not talking about an outward strengthening. We're talking about an inward strengthening through his power, through his dunamis, through the spirit. So that place where all this is happening is in the very depths of your being. It's who you are. Well, what's the period? In other words, what's the timing? When does this take place? It's interesting That the focus is not on the time. Because do you know why? You need this all the time. When do you graduate from needing his power and strength in your life? Never. I don't even think when you die, this goes away. Because you realize it's not that in eternity, I can go, "Woo, God, I don't need you anymore. I got this one figured out. I can now live by my own strength. That's not true. Do you know what all eternity is going to be? God, I still need you. God, would you come in with your overwhelming spirit? Does this make any sense? You don't graduate out of this because this is all the time. And I, and I genuinely believe for all eternity, I'm going to have to be just as, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Because this has all been about faith and dependency. Why, that's not, how's that going to shift? I, I'm going to be just as dependent upon God then as I am now. There's no sin. I get that. Praise the Lord. But I'm still going to need the spirit of God in my life. I'm still going to need his overwhelming resource and his strengthening and his power in my life. But I certainly need it now. As long as I'm on this earth, in this flesh, I need this thing. So, what's the period of time? Always. Which then goes lastly to what's my posture? What's my response in all this? I've got to surrender. I need to depend, I need to abide. That if I'm going to experience the overwhelming power of God in my life, that means I, I have to be open to him. I, I have to say, Lord, I, I'm, I need you. That, Lord, I'm, not, I'm going to quit turning within myself. This is, this is no, longer, no longer going to be about me and my resource and my ability and my whatever. Lord, I'm, I'm surrendering my life to you and saying, have at it. I need you. That I'm going to walk in an abiding, dependent relationship And when I walk in dependence upon you, that allows your overwhelming dunamis through your spirit to strengthen my life. Would you walk in that? Would you you come before Jesus afresh and say, Lord, here I am. I need you. Lord, the only way I'm going to walk in victory, the only way I'm going to walk in purity, the only one way I'm going to walk without fear, the only way I'm going to be able to function as a Christian in this day and age as I need you. Do you know what Paul's praying? That that would be the reality of your life. That he would strengthen you through his overwhelming power, through his spirit in the inner part of who you are. Or in short, that Christ would be everything. Is that true about you? Are you living by His strength? Or are you living out of your own resource? Don't you want to be a Christian? And live through the indwelling life of Christ within? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, uh, <clears throat> Lord, I confess I need you. Not just in this moment, but moment by moment by moment by moment by moment by moment by moment. By moment. Lord, this has never been about me trying to do and accomplish and do a whole list of do's and don'ts, and this is not about religious activity, and this isn't about having a form of godliness and faking it till I make it. Lord, this is about allowing the God of the universe to come and indwell my life. And Lord, the fact that you want to take this insignificant life and, and do something with it is mind-boggling to me. But Lord, if you can use it, I want to offer it to you. So, Lord, whatever you want to do, and through my life, I'm I'm open. Lord, I want to be surrendered. I want to abide. I, I just want to depend. I want to trust. I want to throw myself upon you and just, I want to live by the indwelling life of Christ. Lord, I want to live by your power. Lord, what would it look like if my mind and my heart, my emotions and my will and my conscience was all being strengthened by you? What, what would it look like if, if my life was marked by you? That your life and your love and your character was just oozing forth out of me. That when we say that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That that, that isn't just something we say. It's not just something we, we put on a refrigerator. But that becomes the reality of my life. Because you through your spirit is producing this through your power in my life. Lord, we need a generation of men and women who are not marked by themselves, who are not living by their own strength, who are not gritting their teeth and trying to live out a Christian life, but rather they are being strengthened with power through your spirit in the depths of who we are. And that when the world sees us, they don't see us, they see you living in and through us. And Lord, I understand I need to walk in obedience. But Lord, even for obedience, I need your your strength. Lord, I need your enablement to even pull off obedience. So Lord, I just want to come afresh and say, Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Will You do whatever You want in and through our lives? And may this world once again see the overwhelming power of God because they see you in us. Lord, could our lives be inexplainable to the world around us except for you? And Lord, would you not allow us to rely upon ourselves? Would you not allow us to rely upon our own strength or wisdom? Rather, would you allow us, as Paul prayed, that we would be strengthened with dunamis through your Spirit? in the inner parts of our lives. Lord, we need that. We love you. all we give you all the praise and the glory. In your holy and precious and powerful name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this study from the book of Ephesians with Nathan Johnson. If you would like additional resources to help you build your life around Jesus, I encourage you to check out my website at deeperchristian.com. This podcast is the audio version taken from my video series in Ephesians. And if you'd like to view the video version of this study, you can do so by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians. No, I am cheering you on as you build your life around and upon Jesus Christ. See you next time.